0: We love Fridays around here because another entrepreneur let us into their world. In the 175th episode, we bring you a multifaceted CEO who runs an Afrocentric store and loves to be able to do the work that brings her joy. In today's Meet the CEO, we bring you Lisa Raboini, CEO and founder of Obonide. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I'm Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at the K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Lisa Ravoni is a multifaceted individual that prides herself on turning her passion into ideas that make money and grow into brands. In this episode, she talks about bringing Obonide to life, adding more brands under her wing and the Africa expansion plan. Meet the CEO, Lisa Ravoni. Who is Lisa Ravoni? What inspires you and what drives you?
1: Hi, my name is Lisa Kanyomozi ravoni I am many things. I wear many hats on a daily basis. I am a business owner. That's what I'm being interviewed for. I own Avonide. It's an Afrocentric store making two years on July 12th. I also do small scale decor and a uh, uh, marker interiors. I am a content creator on my page, um, Kayomozi-Ravoni, across all socials, but also under Conversations with Kayomozi, where I write and um, have a YouTube channel. You should check it out. <laughs> I'm an author i published my first book last year 2021 it is on the job a conglomeration of um a young woman's experiences on sexual violence friendship choosing myself as well as friendship which are like core values of who I am as an individual I'm a media personality doing TV with Next Media um yeah and a general enjoyer of life a life leader a soft life ambassador I believe uh, struggle life is is a thing of the past so yeah that's who I am what inspires me money (laughs) the comforts that money affords me that's I think what inspires and drives me as an individual I really like money I'm not shy about that I keep telling people that it is an important part of how I navigate life so i must make it another thing that inspires me and drives me is people in community and that is founder of yambi foundation which is a charity organization that focuses on raising funds for health related causes so yeah community is another thing that drives me people around me growing them but also doing my part um with the privileges that i have to help people that are not in the same place as i am so yeah that's what drives me that inspires me and that's who i am and what i do
0: talk to us about oboniri when was it set up, and what necessitated bringing Obonire to life?
1: Obonire um was born in 2020, July 12th. That was when we put out our first post. It is an Afrocentric business store that deals in head drops, um, brass jewelry, leather jewelry, and beaded jewelry. Um, we work entirely with Ugandan, Ugandan um craftspeople (laughs) that's what we should call them and uh, everything is outsourced from Uganda it was set up in 2020 right after the first lockdown Um, I was at the time an independent contractor with a radio station but I was only doing weekend radio so I did not have a salary and doing the budget cuts (laughs) I sort of suffered I suffered literally I also used to do gigs writing gigs and editing gigs and obviously since there were no magazines going out because we're in COVID Um, um, my income was affected heavily, so I had small savings of 250 to 300,000 Uganda shillings. And, um, (laughs) yeah, I was like, you know what? It's either I eat this money or I start a business. I've been thinking of a business, I just had no idea of what I was passionate about. And at the time, I just kept remembering that my brand had grown into like the chick who's always wearing head wraps, and people would always ask me, where'd you get your head up? Where'd you get your fabric? It would probably be somewhere in the house or an old scarf or something. I was like, you know what? How many stores are selling head drops? There were literally, I don't think, there were not any. There was one, but it ran out of business like way before COVID. So I was like, okay, there's market. It's a niche. Let's do it um and then slowly by slowly people started asking me, oh where'd you get the accessories to you pay your headroom with?" and I was like okay let's get unique <laughs> designed um or we need jewelry and then the bags were just I needed bags I kept looking for tote bags and I couldn't find them and I was like you run a business find people and make money out of it and that's how it happened I wanted waist beads <laughs> and anklets at some point and I was like mm, if you wear them and people ask you about them why don't you start selling them so that's how you know all happened.
0: Walk us through the concept of Afrocentric accessories and why you chose such a niche pocket of accessories.
1: Afrocentric accessories, again, because my style at the time spoke to head wraps, spoke to extravagant jewelry or unique pieces. And then also like how I think through, is this a marketable piece? Then I just throw it into the business. That's literally how I walked into the niche. Um, I know that there are a lot of people who are looking for like unique additions to their style or just didn't know like the thing with headdress, people didn't know there are a lot of people who have who have become over babes who just thought i can't wear a head wrap and i'm like you know what try it so they didn't know how um how much potential is in this piece of clothing that you could just add to your I uh, t to, to your outfit and like it takes it to another level that's what pushed me to like keep on with business and keep creating and making sure that it's like unique authentic pieces that people don't have everywhere and will just add a boost to their outfits so because I saw there was a market for people wanting unique pieces and that's how we got into the Afrocentric it was also something that was easily marketable for me because I wore them like often so it was easy for people to ask oh where is that from and (laughs) It would be my store and you'd have to purchase. So yeah, I think that's how the Afrocentric niche market came into being. And then the accessories are really based off by my stages in life. So Tandika, which is the first collection, means tandika in my in my language. Rotorum, which means to start, Javiza means to celebrate, which is my birthday collection, and so on and so forth. So everything is named about Around different things that are important to me as an individual and different phases of my life. Because again, the business was and still is a uh, passion project.
0: COVID was an interesting time for persons in business. How did you sail through that period
1: and did you have to reformulate your business model? Obanita did not exist pre COVID. It's uh, literally a birth of COVID. So, if anything, I did not have the struggle of reformulating because I formulated based off of what was necessary for the market. So, I knew. Oh, everyone is starting a small business. Everyone looking for extra income, right? Good. What is my niche? Obonide. What am I selling? Not just accessories. I'm selling you an experience, a lifestyle. That's what I'm selling. When you wear my brand, like you're wearing a brand. You're wearing Obonide. You can get head wraps from everywhere, but is it needed? (laughs) You get... So, like, it was very important with the way I branded, with the way I marketed, with the way I... The feeling, your packaging, from, like, the packaging, the small things, to how you feel in the community that you grow around social media. So I also knew that we are big on social media right now, but also um, one thing that COVID brought forward was the need for an online community. So it was important for in my marketing strategy for that to be part of it. Like, you're not just a babe in a hair you're an over babe. So I think that would be the reformulation of my business model. So away from just selling and being affordable and giving good quality, it was also to add an extra element that made customers feel more than just customers, but part of a bigger family.
0: What changes would you like to see in your industry?
1: I think with the beauty brand, I just would like for us to go past, the beauty industry, go past what they call the surface level. of liking or understanding things, I wish we could could be more intentional about internal things and who is the face and the, the brand ambassador. Like, do they really incorporate the values? Not necessarily just choosing based off diversity, but making sure that the individuals that are picked are very pertinent with a brand. But also um, one thing I'd like for fashion to be more affordable and accessible to all people and also support young local artists and talent that's what i would like to add into the beauty industry
0: any challenges
1: i'm a social media business as per now so the main challenges have been working in uganda with the Random social media shutdowns. Um, internet fees are crazy. Delivery is such a hectic thing. But now that there are more companies who are based on being a service delivery option for small businesses, I think that's sort of sorted. So, yeah, those were the few challenges that I faced. What is the
0: future of Ovanire?
1: Are there any Africa domination plans? We are going Africa. That's literally where we're going. It is not just a Ugandan brand. Um, for the second year, we're hoping to have entered into Kenya and Rwanda and then Nigeria, hopefully, and then <laughs> the greater Oscar to South Africa. So um, the brand is soon to be bigger. What does the future look like for
0: Lisa Raboni?
1: There's so many things I have in store for myself as an individual. Obviously, now that I got done with my degree, I just want to pay more attention to my two immediate, you know, interests, which are over and, like, be a proper businesswoman, fully established Amaka, and obviously Yambi Foundation, which has, quote, on faster than I had expected it to around its inception time Um, just having the opportunity to help so many people and so many communities to find ways to do that more efficiently and effectively and consistently is one of the things that's in store for Lisa Kimmo Zero Boni a book launch (laughs) we did not get to do the book launch at the time of its publication so that's August 7th more TV time hopefully (laughs) international TV and um, yeah uh, just continuing to explore where I find joy in my passions and see how to monetize them. That's what's in store for me. That was
0: Lisa Raboni, CEO and founder of Overnide. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The Central Bank of Egypt has kept its key overnight deposit rate steady at 11.25% in its June meeting against market expectations of 11 following two consecutive rate hikes of 100 basis points and 200 basis points in March and May, respectively. The Monetary Authority noted that it continues to assess the impact of previous two rate hikes on inflation expectations and macroeconomic developments in the medium term. Further, it stressed that although achieving low and stable inflation rates in the medium term is a prerequisite for supporting the purchasing power of the Egyptian citizen and achieving high and sustainable growth rates, the current interest rates depend mainly on the expected inflation rates and not the prevailing rates, which run at a three year high of 13.5%. Looking forward, policymakers expect inflation to deviate slightly from the bank's official target of 7 plus or minus 2 on the average during quarter 4 of 2022 and then gradually decline again. And a quick look at the markets. The Johannesburg Stock Exchange Index closed 0.6% down at 65,295, the lowest since October 2021, led by miners and retailers market sentiment remained fragile amid mounting worries about the risks of a global recession amid aggressive rate hikes by the federal reserve south africa's inflation for may also surprised to the upside on wednesday coming at 6.5 percent its highest since january 2017 driven once again by food and fuel prices meanwhile there are reports that protesters blocked roads leading to some power plants operated by South Africa's state-owned utility, Eskom, following a breakdown in wage negotiations. The company is already struggling to meet electricity demand and was forced to implement controlled blackouts to keep the grid from a total collapse. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of The K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at The K Financial, and you can find me at With The Dong.